Also to your point on mindfulness though, again, I think people have this perception that even with prescription drugs, your mood and your intent and how much sleep you got and the things you ate that day, that impacts prescription drugs as well, just like it does cannabis. You look at antidepressant trials, you know, for example, and like some of those head-to-head trials have placebo response rates of, you know, 30%. And, and that's because your mind is a powerful thing. Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the Human Up podcast. I am Victor Ung, and today I have on as my guest, Abby Stoddard. She is someone I had met through another community called Seedspot, which acts as a resource hub for early stage entrepreneurs to get their business and their passions going. They focus on those with social impact um, and provide courses and a Slack channel and mentorship within the community as well. And I found out about Seedspot through another community for early stage entrepreneurs called One Million Cups, which is a place to uh, for, for people to practice their presentation, uh, to get feedback from the community on their idea or their business or any transition that they're making. So if you're an entrepreneur or thinking about going into entrepreneurship, definitely check out these communities at 1millioncups.com or seedspot.org to learn more. You can also message me if you want more of an in on either of these communities as well. So I met Abby through Seedspot and immediately resonated on our common mission in providing education in cannabis. And super excited to bring her on to talk through her experience being in the pharmaceutical industry as a pharmacist, as well as her other project where she is providing a network of resources for those using medicinal cannabis. On her site at clientcn.com, that's just client, the letter C, the letter N.com you'll find a cost calculator for medical cards. You'll find a directory of doctors who certify people for cards and even a training program to not only help butt tenders become better butt tenders, but to also provide career coaching to help the butt tenders figure out where they want to go next. Right now, she is mostly based in the Oregon market, but is looking to expand across the United States. So definitely go check out the site at clientcn.com. The link is also in the show notes below. But before we get into the episode, I also wanted to share a quick update with the meditation course that I am working on. Um, If you've been following this podcast, you'll know that I obviously am super passionate about cannabis and using it as plant medicine especially for our emotional and spiritual wellness. And in combination with meditation, having this intentional practice with my cannabis use has been so helpful. Back when I used to use it recreationally, and I still do, by the way, I'm not here to, you know, tell people not to use cannabis recreationally anymore. You know, I still find a lot of fun in that. But having an additional practice of more intentional use, more conscious use has been so helpful in navigating the other emotional obstacles that I'm facing as I am adulting and, you know, hitting a a sort of a quarter life crisis within my life. Um, I'm currently in transition and I have been for the last couple of years now, and it's been of course, so much anguish and confusion and conflict, internal conflict, you know, external resistance from friends or family or society. Um, Also, just managing all the different fears and worries and anxiety that comes up for me as well in, in navigating this transition. And cannabis and meditation has been a lifesaver in that it's allowed me to really connect back to myself to my body to a spirit within me that 
has a level of access to wisdom and intuition that I never really thought I had. You know, I had a lot of doubt or skepticism. You know, growing up, ironically, I used to very much judge those with a more, you know, who who use more of this spiritual, ethereal, kind of esoteric language. And I disconnected myself from that, from understanding my own emotions, from understanding, you know, trusting my own decision-making, my own problem-solving, um, believing in my own creativity and confidence, and allowing the cannabis to really bring all of that up for me and almost just present that right in front of me to say, look, these are all the things of what it means to be human, right? These are negative and might seem uncomfortable, but it is a crucial part of being human. It is, it is a natural part and there's nothing wrong with that. And so allowing to, Allowing myself to face it has just been so important for my emotional growth that I want to continue sharing this with those who resonate with this practice, with my message, with where I'm at as well. Um, and I have been running these cannabis meditation sessions for a few months now for free and it's been so amazing to be able to you know be this service or be in service for for these people who um you know value healing and value introspection um and want more of a connection to not only themselves but also to other people within with like-minded people if you are interested in any of that, definitely go check out the course at bit.ly slash cannabis meditation course. Right now, I am still looking to build up this community of people who are interested in this space. And on there, you'll also find a link to the private Discord as well, which is, uh, for those who don't know, a very similar platform like Slack where you can have different channels and, you know, ways to communicate people with people. You can also uh, message people individually. So I am excited to build this community and I'm still very early in this process as well, but to, to gather these like-minded people and cannabis enthusiasts who want to use cannabis more mindfully for their emotional growth. Um, again, join at bit.ly slash cannabis meditation course, and I will see you there. With that, let's get right into the episode with my guest, Abby Stoddard. Welcome, Abby, to the podcast. I am super excited to have you here. Hey, Victor. I am so happy to be here. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, yes. I, I'm I'm super excited to talk to you. Like after you had reached out from uh, Seedspot, right? Yes. Uh, which is also a really cool community of of entrepreneurs. Um, they offer a bunch of different cool resources and services, and uh, a private Slack channel that we met through. So um, super glad that you reached out to talk about cannabis and mental health. So yeah. Yeah, and uh, I love it. And I will do a double shout out to Seedspot. Um, I absolutely love their program. I think I was in the first one that went virtual after the pandemic. They did an awesome job. Um, but when I looked in the Seedspot Slack and I searched cannabis, I think you and I were like the only people that came up at the time. Yeah. So shout out to anybody else who is in the cannabis space, entrepreneur, you know, kicking around an idea, you should definitely get in on Seedspot because they need more cannabis-minded folks in there. Um, and it's a great, great resource. So yes. Yeah. I mean, I think we need more cannabis 
people in general uh, in yeah. this space, um, and especially to talk about the mental health aspects of it all. Um, I know, like as I'm looking to break into the industry, uh, it, it's it, it does seem to be a lot more, you know, I guess what do you call it? I guess commercial maybe is the right way. I, mm-hmm. I don't know. It just seems like there's a lot of unfortunate greed and capitalism in it. And um, I think a lot of people are starting to see like the, the, the material benefits, but we're starting to also lose the, um, you know, the mental, emotional and spiritual like health that comes with this plant. So um anyway it just more people to to talk more about their personal experiences with cannabis is what i'm excited about yeah and i think um in a program that i run in oregon i work a lot with a cannabis nurse um and she said to me and i don't think this was her her originating quote but um that cannabis is the gateway drug to self-care um and I don't know if you've heard that before. You certainly, I definitely have. Yep. <laughs> certainly live it. Um, and I think that is so, so key. Um, and it gets lost a little bit as, you know, markets go from more medical to adult use and not right. that, you know, adult use recreational markets or recreational users are, um, not that that's a bad choice in any way, but um i think there is something to be said that all use at baseline is medicinal regardless mm-hmm. of where you're coming at it from right. um and in the commercialization of the market that can get lost a little bit um and i think it's really important especially for people who are new to mindfulness or new to cannabis like keep that top of mind yeah um, yeah yeah yeah. Uh, so I appreciate you coming on too, because I think you'll be able to offer different, but like both those perspectives coming from pharmacy um, as a pharmacist, and then also, you know, using cannabis in your personal situation to use uh, or to to uh, manage your anxiety. So, um, yeah, I guess to, for people who don't know you, then maybe introduce yourself in the work you do and sort of your story and how you got into cannabis. Oh man. Yeah, (laughs) for sure. Um, and I think, um, I probably sound a little bit like a couple of your previous guests. Um, but so I'm a pharmacist. My background is, um, pharmacy, particularly insurance, um, things like Medicaid benefits. Um, And I was uh, working in that mainstream kind of corporate arena for about seven years. Um, And I think like a lot of people was checking a lot of boxes on the like achievement chart of what you could do, Um, which total side note, Victor, like I know you probably work with people on this a lot of like, you know, (laughs) why are you doing the things that you're doing? you know, what are you compensating for? What are, what's driving you? Um, but I think I had reached a point where I had checked off all of the things on the achievement boxes Mm -hmm. that I thought I could do, um, and was really not fulfilled with what, with what I was doing. Um, and then at the same time, about two years ago now, um, my dad was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer out of the blue. Um, never smoked, um, totally healthy, had just retired and was looking forward to, you know, growing old with his grandchildren, all that. Mm. And it was just devastating. Um, and so I was working at a job that wasn't really doing it for me anymore. Had a ton going on, um, personally kind of like came home every day from work, like having a bad day every day for a year, (laughs) And my wife was just like, you need to do something or like this can't go on. Um, And so my wife, who's probably the biggest mindfulness self-care proponent in the world, (laughs) uh, we kind of um, came to the fact that I was going to get out of what I was doing. Um, I was 
definitely attracted to the cannabis space because of so much overlap in healthcare. Um, at that time, I was also serving on a um, healthcare professional panel for the state of Minnesota for our medical program, and which I still serve on. And so my experience comes um, not from personal use because I don't use currently as a healthcare professional. Um, but what I do in that panel is listen to public testimony from people who cannabis has changed their lives. And mm -hmm. it was, you can't be a human being and listen to that testimony and not be moved. Um, yeah. People just in a total public forum being so vulnerable um, and so genuine and just, you know, telling everybody all over the state of Minnesota, you know, things like I've been HIV positive and cannabis has helped me, um, you know, cope with my disease, you know, just total open forum. They don't care who hears it because it's just so important to them that access to it be increased for everybody. Um, so that's kind of the turn I took then um, into the cannabis industry uh, and so my goal, um, and in the work I do now is, um, connecting health and wellness users, medical patients in the broadest section, broadest interpretation of that term, uh, connecting them to resources for their local medical program, connecting them with dispensaries who are aimed at serving them. Um, and from the health professional side, connecting other health professionals, um, with information and telling them what it can do for patients. Cause it's been such a, it's still a difficult conversation to have. Um, but it's so important. Um, so that's kind of the biggest broad story <laughs> yeah. uh, of the, the twists and turns that uh, took me here. I love it. I love it. Yeah. I, you know, it's, it's hard to, every time I hear about, the the benefits of cannabis or anybody's stories it's it's hard not to think it's like a magical like cure-all you know mm -hmm. plant that just is you know just does everything um because it really is just one of those um it's it's been a gift for humans um by by mother nature right and mm -hmm. uh I've been really, really, what I, how do I say it? Like, I, it definitely could seem very like gung ho and like, all right, everybody should just smoke some weed and, <laughs> you yeah. know, mm -hmm. uh, but I think it's also just as important to be um, mindful of how we're using cannabis and just like any, anything, um, it's a tool that can be both harmful as much as it is helpful. So this is so anyway i'm i'm excited to you know talk more about how you find that balance within mm -hmm. others and and kind of the people you work with um i guess we'll start with like what you know who who are the people that that either gravitate to you or or that you're looking to outreach more towards uh to to support yeah um i really picture um People like my dad, who, um, which it was kind of funny. So we were out in Portland, Oregon, which has a very robust cannabis market. Um, he was out visiting me out there and he has cancer. So, you know, we're like, hey, do you want to like, do you want to try this? It might help you, um, you know, sleep, you know, cope, whatever. Um and we were in Portland, which has like a huge concentration of dispensaries. Um, and so if you go to, you know, Dutchie or Weed Maps, it's just like one giant green blob of all of these places. <laughs> uh, and we were just completely overwhelmed. Uh, you know, it was like every website you go to has like so many options and pop-up ads and coupons and this, this, mm -hmm. this. And if you know what you're looking for, that can be super helpful. Um, but if you're somebody like my dad, who is like, I don't even know if I want to walk in the door. Right. It's terrible. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I laughed because we were then like driving around, you know, because you see a dispensary on every corner. 
and we drove by one that was a particular brand that kind of um the whole brand is very like groovy 70s lava lamp feel uh and i was like what i was like we're here do you want to like stop and my dad my dad who you know i'm sure partook in cannabis in the 70s was the groovy lava lamp guy was like no <laughs> <laughs> like this is huh. i can't yeah um and so that's who um i am looking to connect with and serve yeah. on my site um so we kind of strip things down to like services that can be really helpful for somebody like that um host things from the Oregon Health Authority that are kind of buried and hard to find for people who are interested in cards um that type of resource and then of course connecting them um to physicians um and to dispensary providers that are geared towards that client um yeah and because what I like about what you do and cannabis coaches in general, um, going back to what you said about, is it the silver bullet? Is I think you have such amazing work to do and don't stop doing it in the like setting the expectations right. for how this is going to go. Um, because I think too often people go into it with these expectations that they see, you know, from the internet, from social media that this is going to cure everything. Um, and maybe for some people it does, and that's great. But really the expectation should be that like, this is just like any other part of your healthcare where yeah. you're going to start very low, like be very cognizant and intentful about what you're doing and if it works and if it doesn't, and especially if it doesn't work right away, like, you know, don't necessarily get frustrated and abandon the right. process. Like we can keep going it's kind of like therapy, like people, you know, spend 20 years trying to walk through like a therapist door for the first time. And the first therapist they have sucks. And they're like, no, nope, yeah, therapy, <laughs> therapy exactly. they're like, no, 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 no. Um, you know, we, we come back to it, uh, in a right way. And I, I don't think there's enough of that done in the industry. Um, so that's why I really like, you know, programs like you've got of like, no, we're in this together, but it, it might not solve your problems tomorrow. It probably won't, yeah. right? Um, so, yeah, it's yeah. So folks like that. That's that's who I'm. I'm reaching through the program I have in Oregon. That's awesome. Yeah, um, and, and thanks for saying that. I think that it is a big part of you know going into this work for me is is that there is there does seem to be this missing gap in in. Um, you know, uh, cannabis within the healthcare industry, mm -hmm. you know, where a lot of professionals actually can't talk about cannabis or, you know, because it's still federally illegal. And then um, you go to a dispensary or, a, you know, and talk to a bud tender, maybe talk for like five or 10 minutes. But, you know, after that, you're left alone to figure out what to do with, with, mm -hmm. the, with the cannabis. So, um so it's it's cool that you're also then supporting those who you know are using it for these medicinal purposes but um want some guidance in you know what are the best you know strains and and how much to take as well right seems mm -hmm. like you're also providing those resources um does that like uh what i guess what kind of sort of a uh oh i lost the train of thought um <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah i don't know if you had any thoughts no like um i think you're spot on and like the um what i like like the the gap between healthcare professional knowledge um and knowledge from coaches like you is so so real um and i I wish that more people and healthcare providers in general would really examine the kind of internal biases they have around mm -hmm. cannabis. Um, and that's like general consumer healthcare providers all together. Cause I think we get in our minds um, that it's so dangerous and unproven. Yeah. Um, 
And again, it's something that should definitely be used with caution and intent. And if you have healthcare conditions or anybody looping in your healthcare provider, so key. Um, but when we think about, um, like, so I was a, I was a teenager in the early 2000s, like 90s, early 2000s, um, when drug commercials were everywhere and they still are. Uh, but for especially drugs like Ambien, All right. everywhere. I don't know if you have memories of those yeah. commercials. Yep, totally. Where, the, where there's like smell. hundreds of symptoms after yeah. or, uh, side effects, I mean, yeah. And somehow that's acceptable. Um, and that yeah. amount of risk is acceptable for so many people. Um, yeah. But for cannabis, it's not. Um, and I dispensed Ambien as a pharmacist and like literally the thing that we would say to people at the counter is like, okay, like here's, here's the Ambien, here's the drug, like get into bed, get under the covers, take it when you are ready to go to bed. <laughs> don't take it watching TV. Don't take it in your kitchen and you're going to go to sleep in an hour. Don't like, like nothing because drugs like that, you know, people end up doing things that they don't remember, like going through mm. their kitchen and pulling everything out of their refrigerator or wow. making phone calls they don't remember. Or, you know, and now of course, 20, almost 20 years later, you know, you hear all the stories and there's black box warnings because people drive their cars and don't remember it even mm. the next day. Um, and somehow that level of risk yeah. is acceptable to people because it comes from mainstream healthcare. Right. But something like cannabis, which again, not without risk, but is somehow unacceptable. <laughs> like yeah. it blows my mind. Um, really? Yeah. You know, and so I really wish that that barrier was less. I think like the work you do is definitely helping with that. Um, but like, man, do we have so much work to do, right? <laughs> I know. Yep. Yeah. Uh, no, it is really interesting to hear from the the pharmacy side like yeah i think that's a huge point it's like all right well you know the you have all these side effects here um which if compared to cannabis is like okay maybe you get lazy or eat a lot or you know mm -hmm. you know i mean of course there's you know there's lots of other side effects too depending on your situation and your health and even lots of other variables, um, mm -hmm. which actually I also wanted to ask more about too, because, you know, I think from the pharmacy side, right, when there's these manufactured pills and products, there's a lot more predictability, of mm -hmm. course, right? They're produced for a specific intent. Whereas with cannabis, because there's so many variables to it, like the grow, the season, the, you know, the strain, and then how much you take and then the type like the way you take it and mm -hmm. then and then even more past that your own mindset and mentality and intention and perspective around it like has an effect on your experience so hearing that it can be really it's just it's just uh it's it could be overwhelming or stressful for those who you know want more of a predictable outcome from it um mm -hmm. i wonder do you have how do you manage that i guess when when you're um you know supporting people in this space yeah um you know it's it's really hard and i don't know that i have a a solid answer for yeah. that because i think that and it, it's something that the industry is going to have to grapple with um, cause one of your previous guests, um, and there's been a lot of talk about, um, the drug Epidiolex, which is a hemp derived CBD product, um, that's made pharmaceutical grade through a pharmaceutical product, um, process. And like that product is consistent every single time, but that product is over $25,000 a year. Mm. Um, so to say like the only right way or acceptable way to take CBD is through a pharmaceutical product. Oh, and you have to be able to pay $25,000 a year to get it is wow. kind of bullshit. Right. 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 <laughs> um, so consistency is something that consistency in product is so, so challenging. And I think the, the only advice that 
I have to people is, you know, go, you know, build relationships with the dispensaries that you're working with. Mm-hmm. Um, cause the dispensary, when they're, you know, a good dispensary, they can tell you all about, you know, their buying protocols and how things were made, um, and what the brand is and what they're doing. Um, does that mean there's going to be absolute consistency in the product, you know, batch to batch? No. Um, but journaling is a huge, huge piece, um, and building relationships and sticking with a type of product, um, throughout the, the process and not kind of doing a birdshot approach of different forms, different, um, brands, different strains, you know, taking it at different times of day, um, being as consistent and taking out the variables in your approach yeah. is, is helpful, um, but it is unfortunately still no guarantee. Right. But I think um, also to your point on mindfulness, though, again, I think people have this perception that even with prescription drugs, your mood and your intent and how much mm-hmm. sleep you got and the things you ate that day, um, that impacts prescription drugs as well. Um, just like it does cannabis. Um, you look at antidepressant trials, you know, for example, and like some of those head to head trials have placebo response rates of, you know, 30%. And, and that's because your mind is a powerful thing and it works on a lot of prescription drugs, just like it would work on cannabis if you're taking it. I actually really appreciate that point again, that, that comparison, because that, um, I I fully agree that the mind is such a powerful thing and your intent going into it will have an an effect on your outcome or your experience with mm-hmm. it. So it's it's interesting to hear that, you know, that happens with pharmaceuticals too, because you would think that it's like, oh, it's just a pill, I'll pop and then it'll <laughs> like do whatever I want it to, right? Yeah. Um so yeah, that's interesting to hear. I would say though, like cannabis is probably leaning more towards needing that mindfulness with your intent. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, so that's that's very interesting. Um, yeah. Do you? I guess do you provide any of that on your uh, on your website or your resource? So I don't provide any like direct coaching or or anything like that. Um, what I like to do is highlight folks like you, uh, highlight folks like other cannabis pharmacists that do and say, you know, Hey, everybody, these are the types of things that are available. Cause again, to folks who aren't in the industry, they have no idea that a cannabis coach or a cannabis nurse is even a thing. Um, so I provide that, um, connection on the website. And then also, um, in the blog part of my website, um, I like to highlight folks with conditions that are commonly treated by cannabis, um, regardless of whether or not they currently use cannabis. Um, and a lot of them, and not a lot, but I would say it's 50, 50, whether they do or not. Um, cause my goal is one that, you know, so I think back to March, I did a lupus month on my blog and I hosted three different, uh, lupus bloggers. And my goal is one that people with lupus, can find a resource, a cannabis resource um, of sorts of information for um, and hear the voices of other patients with lupus. And two, that if you're in the industry as a bud tender, um, you have an awareness of what lupus is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, because, you know, it's it's something like if you're a bud tender behind the counter, you can be super, super smart with um, cannabis and your products and all of that. Um, and people share all sorts of things with you, just like they do yeah. with, you know, pharmacy and technicians. And so if somebody comes in and shares with you like, hey, I have lupus and I'm looking for a strain to help me with, you know, my stiffness. I want the bud tender to have a light bulb of like, oh, I know what that right. is. And like, you know, be empowered in that conversation um, and kind of, you know, facilitate that interconnection. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I mean, just any the more education we have around it, the better. And and I know, like, yeah, obviously we're still very new in the research of this of cannabis and and its uh, different 
the many different things that it helps with, which is also just another miracle of a plant. It's like, it just helps with so many things, but, but, um, but to, to identify like, all right, you know, for example, naming that symptom and saying, all right, here's the best strain. Here's the ones with the best terpenes with the ones like, you know, THC level or CBD level, you know, like, um, I think that's, that's super helpful for, for those who are actually, you know, using it more medicinally to address certain symptoms. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and that's like it, um, it's kind of, it's this huge gray space that is a big challenge for, for everybody of, you know, um, how do we talk about it and right. what can, and what can we say? What can't we say? Um, yeah. Because like, obviously, as you know, in your disclaimer, like this isn't health advice, <laughs> but yep. um, my goal is to spread education and empathy between patients and their providers and the cannabis community. Um, education and empathy. And I don't think you can go wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a good point to maybe shift into more of your personal experience with with cannabis and your own mental health um i read your post about anxiety which i really appreciate you oh yeah being so open about yeah. <laughs> um and so yeah maybe like share a bit about you know what that or i guess what that obstacle was that struggle mm -hmm. was for you and and how cannabis was helpful for that oh man um so, uh, yeah, and so I have, um, one of the most recent posts on my blog is, um, a post about my journey with my anxiety. Um, I figured I had hosted so many other patients on my blog talking about their story that it was only fair. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and so, um, yeah, and, and I'll be totally straight and upfront, um, like and this is all my my personal experience, not my advice as a healthcare professional. Mm -hmm. um, I don't use cannabis for my anxiety currently. I use um, antidepressants, which have been very helpful for me. And huge, huge amounts of like cognitive behavioral therapy, meditation, um, even uh, meditation with subliminal messaging, which if you've ever done that is super cool. Um, but I think with something like anxiety, regardless of what you are using to cope with it. Um, there are, it's so important and it may take you forever to understand where it's coming from and why. Hmm. Um, and so for me, um, and you talk a lot on, on your podcast, certainly, um, you know, about how like, gender norms and expectations, um, and, you know, sexuality can impact you as you're, yeah. you know, kind of growing up in our, your soft little spongy brain. Um, and so, you know, your listeners obviously can't see me. They probably cannot tell by my voice, but I identify as a lesbian. <laughs> so tell your listeners, this is the voice of a lesbian. Um, <laughs> cause that's also a way to, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, and I think, you know, a lot of, a lot of my anxiety really, um, stems from all of the shoulds in culture mm -hmm. that come around about how one should act based on their gender. Um, and so I'm identify as a cis white female, but, you know, and masculinity definitely has these issues too, right? You know, um, but there are so many shoulds around gender. And if you don't fit, um, you feel like, um, so for me, I definitely felt like, man, I've failed at being a female, um, mm. but I don't identify as male. So like, I've really failed at being either gender yeah. at this point. <laughs> yeah. um, and where do I fit and how do I deal with this otherness? Um, and so to unpack that took forever <laughs> and took, you know, various, various, um, forms of, um, you know, a lot of therapy, you know, trial and failure of, um, antidepressants, um, definitely did, um, experiment with cannabis in college, 
definitely not in a like mindful or intentful way. (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, so maybe down the road as an adult, um, you know, I could try again and have so much more success. I'm sure, you know, not being a, you know, 22 year old, you know, college kid trying it. Um, you know, you just don't try it in the same, in the same way. Um, and so, yeah. And like, so that's like, even the title of this podcast, just, I love is like human up because (laughs) people don't understand or people don't often realize the toxicity of, of gender norms. Um, and the like way that it really impacts people, even on micro levels is so crazy. Um, so that's kind of my story with my anxiety <laughs> to do the long, uh, the long road home. Um, but yeah, that type of otherness for me, I think generated just um, a low level of anxiety throughout my entire life that I still deal with um, and that there is no silver bullet for um, yeah. other than constant work at it. And um, yeah. And so I super honor people who talk about it, who share their stories um, and are, you know, open to, I love people who are open to trying things when things don't work. (laughs) Right. And I I imagine you run into a lot of those folks too. Yeah, totally. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and and I think that's a, a huge part of it is that with any of this stuff, it really does require a lot of experimentation and iteration and um, you know, really like tracking what works and what doesn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it sounds like it, it, it sounds like it was very difficult for you to go through all of that, but to finally arrive at what what is finally working has been all worth it. Then, <laughs> oh, totally, totally. And I think like having a guide, like the work that you do, is so key. Mm-hmm. Um, because. I am such a stubborn person and I was convinced that, you know, certain things would or wouldn't work. Um, and so I gave up so many times. Um, but I think to work with somebody mm. like you in a journey who is, you know, just reminds people to relax, write it down. Like, let's talk about it. Yeah. Um, and to keep coming back is so critical. Um, because a lot of, you know, regardless of what it is, um, that people use to cope with their mental health, a lot of the things, the first things people try don't work, even if that thing is eventually going to work when they do it, you know, in the right way or are ready or whatever. Um, and so the discipline around it is so hard to do by yourself. Totally. So hard. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, I always say that we're humans are not meant to do life alone, you know, And I think like, um, you know, going back to, you know, gender identity and norms and whatnot, I think from a man's standpoint, which I'm sure many will relate to in, in many other ways, but at least for a man too, uh, it's it's difficult to ask for help, you know, mm-hmm. to say like, I am struggling, like, you know, to, to show that vulnerable, almost, you know, weakness that, uh, that you can't do it by yourself, I think was for me, a lot of what had, you know, created a lot of like stagnancy and complacency in my life that I talk about on this podcast a lot, but, um, you know, so, so to like challenge that and say, why, why is it that, or, or what, what is making you know, this or giving this perception that I have to do everything on my own. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think just as humans to that, to that point, like you can only do so much by ourselves. We can only see so much by ourselves too. We can't see our own blind spots, you know? And so we'll need someone else to be able to, to look at our situation from a, a new perspective, from an outside perspective, especially from an unbiased perspective. Um, so anyway, I appreciate you like sharing that because I think that's a lot of what this work is about, you know, um, helping. I've got a, yeah. I've got a question yeah. for you. Uh, something that you just said, like hit on that. Um, 
do you think that because cannabis is um, more available in different different venues and more like becoming more and more known, um, do you find that people, especially maybe younger people, males, try cannabis first and are more willing to open that door into mental health as opposed to traditional doors. I've, I've been fascinated by that. And what do you think about that? Yeah. I mean, so I, I'm still, of course, very early in my career here as, <laughs> as a kid's coach to be real, but I could very much theorize in that it is the sort of gateway drug to, to self-care. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it it really has been for me for sure um i my first cannabis experience actually was a i didn't know at the time but probably one of the most like impactful moments that expanded my own ideas of what it means to both be asian and as a man right like mm-hmm. we in the Asian community, you know, to admit that we smoke cannabis is like a whole, you know, taboo subject or a whole big no-no. And and then to also go around and talk about our mental health and emotional well-being around it is is a whole nother aspect. So um so yeah, my my first experience really, first of all, like consuming was um not necessarily an act of rebellion for me, but it was a a decision that I finally made for myself as an Asian American kid, you know, like rather than trying to follow all the other shoulds um, mm-hmm. of of like, you know, who we're supposed to be. So that that expanded my understanding that like, yeah, there is joy and love that I can have for myself. Um, and, and, and really, you know, allow myself to embrace it. You know, of course the years after that through college and through work, it was still a mess of things for (laughs) myself, but, uh, but like in the last few years, really starting to like put all those pieces together and say, you know, I, I really would say that cannabis was, uh, a, a catalyst for for that because i i really i don't know where i would be if i hadn't decided to smoke that joint mm-hmm. <laughs> in college you know um yeah i might be at a really cool corporate role or whatever but probably you know not necessarily well anyway i don't want to theorize too much about different paths and whatnot but because yeah, no. i have no regrets about how things happened no. but like, i could and- totally see that it was really helpful for me yeah. yeah. And, um, I, I always like, um, I think there is a perception, um, which can definitely, which is a, can be very valid that, um, when people say even the term like cannabis culture, um, there are parts of cannabis culture that comes off as like very, very masculine, um, mm. and very, um, to, this is not an official term, but like broy right. <laughs> culture. Yeah, I get what you mean. Yeah. Um, and that always, you know, um, makes me smile a little bit when I see Instagram accounts and things like that that give off that vibe. I'm like, oh man, what if, you know, in ultimate, you know, mainstream, somebody describes himself as a dude bro, tries a joint, and it just opens up his mind to like love himself and self-care so much. I yeah. can't even believe it. <laughs> <laughs> um and you know it goes a whole 180. Yeah. Um and I'm sure that does happen for some people and I'm very glad for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well and this is why uh, uh I I also really enjoy like just the people that you know is is gravitated to cannabis in the first place because mm-hmm. I think there's there's also some something to say about you know who is who is attracted to even using it in the first place but like you know at get-togethers at parties or whatever I always gravitate towards the, the <laughs> other stoners and potheads because I think there is this level of openness um, that 
is is not that it doesn't exist in other people who don't use cannabis, but that is like really obvious for mm. for cannabis users. So um, yeah, I, I would I would probably be one of those, you know, kind of <laughs> hyper masculine or broy kind of people who who just was just expanded into the idea that like it's okay to be emotional and it's okay to talk about wellness. It's okay to like, you know, talk about self-love and, and, um, so. Yes. I love yeah. it. Um, yeah. no, and that's why I think what, what you do is so awesome. Um, and I think, um, yeah, it it's also a different, like an interesting, like thought experiment too. Um, because I think, people be they male or you know people like my younger self who you know is an other non-conforming female but who is mm-hmm. trying to fit in for some reason dra- drift to the super super masculine mm-hmm. um and I don't know why that is uh and not that super masculine things are bad but I think they're bad for you when that's not truly who you are right and so to have different spaces like this and cannabis can certainly create those spaces where people can explore themselves more and determine where they truly want to be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, we, I feel like we could probably talk about this for, <laughs> for days, but favorite topics. yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I mean, I guess, so what was this, what was, what was your experience then? using cannabis or, or have you, so it sounds like you're not necessarily using it now, um, being a professional and, and it didn't, I guess it didn't sound like you were always using it for anxiety specifically, Mm -mm. but, um, but yeah, I guess what was, what's been your experience with cannabis personally before that then? Oh, personally before that, um, I was, I would say mostly the, like, picture the idiot college kid who has like a half a brownie and it doesn't work so they have like a brownie and a half <laughs> yep and then they have a horrible experience yeah. <laughs> um picture that and that was me um and that's you know I think I was um but I think what the the way that I was like using it and experiencing it at that time was kind of like similar to the way that um, people can use alcohol. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're like, I'm just, I'm unhappy with what I'm doing or where I'm at. And I'm just like looking for something to numb my mind Escape. out. Yeah. Yep. yep. Um, and that was my personal experience at 15 plus years ago. Um, but, and, and so for me, I had a really, um, not necessarily negative opinion of it because I've accepted full responsibility for the way I was using it. And that is, wasn't healthy. Um, but like really, really skeptical about what the potential of the plant was and what it can Mm do. Um, until I really started participating in the, you know, cannabis debates in my own state, doing my own research. Um, and then of course, you know, I happened to be in pharmaceuticals and, you know, all of a sudden THC and CBD pharmaceuticals start popping up and you start thinking, okay, like there's so clearly something here, you know, what, yeah. what is it and what is the best way to, to do it? Um, yeah, yeah. Hmm. So, so I don't use it currently for anxiety. I would say, you know, especially at that point in my life, I, I wouldn't say that, um, like, I, I don't know that I would like describe my behavior as alcoholic, but I definitely drank way too much as you do in a, as a young person. Yeah. Um, and it's one of our odd things in society that for some reason, that type of consumption is acceptable when you're in college and a young person. And then you suddenly wake up out of college in your mid twenties and are like, Oh no, uh, that's not good. (laughs) Right. Right. Um, probably lost a lot of years in that. (laughs) mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
Um, yeah, I don't know if any of your listeners can relate to that or if I'm the only person that's done that, but uh, nope. my guess is probably not. Um, yeah, and so, yeah, I think, you know, dealing with anxiety is something like, it doesn't go away. I think you just get more conscious of it and more, yeah. you, you get more conscious of it. And then you, at least I kind of came to a decision of how am I actually going to deal with this? Mm-hmm. Um, am I going to deal with it with, you know, things like alcohol for the next 20 years? I don't want to do that. Um, you know, how are we going to unpack this and actually work with it? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's powerful. I mean, you know, I think, I think what I get out of this too, is that like, uh, there of course are, are many different ways to address our mental health, mental and emotional health. Like, um, you know, as much as I am calling myself a cannabis wellness coach and advocate for cannabis, there is a part that um, really also advocates for more natural types of healing mm-hmm. um, to not depend on, you know, anything really. Like the more we can be independent of any external substances, the better, right? So, um you know, this is where the mindfulness comes in. And I, I remember you mentioning you meditate as well and went to CBD or a CBT. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> therapy. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah. So I guess maybe if, if there is anything you'd like to share in the last few minutes here for, for those who might be, you know, struggling with anxiety or any kind of okay not not generalizing to any kind of mental health but like Mm -hmm. let's start with anxiety like what what would you advise um people to 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 do to cope with that yeah uh i mean number one i think is reach out get help um in whatever way feels right to you so be that your primary care doctor be that um, you know, a licensed social worker that you work with, be that with your life coach. Like you said, don't do it alone. Mm-hmm. Um, reach out and get help and know that it's going to be horribly, horribly frustrating <laughs> um, the journey and just to keep going. Because hopefully the first thing that you try, the first method that you try is successful, but it might not be. Um, and I think, um, so yeah, that's my main, main, main piece of advice is, is reach out. Um, don't do it by yourself. And I think, um, to the second part of what you said, um, it is totally acceptable. And even though some people find it hard of like, oh, I don't want to use prescription drugs or, oh, I don't want to like supplement with anything, um, just because you do doesn't mean that you're weak or damaged or anything. Um, I think there'll be tons and tons of more research to come on the endocannabinoid system. Um, And what we know about that will be super enlightening because there are cannabis physician specialists out there who are definitely of the belief of there are some people with certain conditions where they will need to supplement with cannabis ongoing because their endocannabinoid tone has experienced permanent trauma, but there may be a lot of other people who they just need to rebalance with Mm -hmm. whatever it is. And our endocannabinoid systems are impacted by many other things besides cannabis, right? Like sleep, diet, exercise, um, you know, meditation, feeling good. So there's ways that we can course correct and you might not need to supplement with anything um but you need to figure out what's going on and work with people that all that are educated and will help you figure out what that looks like for you yeah yeah awesome well this has been amazing conversation um i wish we could keep going but uh (laughs) yeah well we'll we'll keep it short here uh thank you for coming on i for for those who want to get in contact with you or learn more about, you know, the, the resources that you provide, how could they find you? Oh, absolutely. Um, so the program I run in Oregon is called the client centered network, uh, 
www.clientcn.com or we're on Instagram as Client Centered Network. Uh, definitely would love for people to check it out, give me feedback. Um, if they have experiences that they want to share, they can get a hold of me on the website. Um, and I would love to be in touch. Awesome. I will also put that in the show notes. Um, Beautiful. Thank but you. Yeah, this has been super cool. Thanks yeah, for coming thank on and sharing your story. Thank you so much. And I, I call my program in Oregon a network um, because I'm a big insurance nut. And I, I picture the folks in our network as creating like the first insurance coverage for cannabis. So if you have listeners who believe in that, have them check out my website because that's what we're building. So that I mean, I'm gonna definitely still keep in contact because if we can if we can have cannabis covered by insurance it's it'll be a whole new world so right uh yeah yeah i really appreciate this mission that you're on oh thank you so much i super appreciate your mission and what you do it's so awesome it's so important thank you thank you i hope you enjoyed this episode with abby soddard And if you, again, are interested to connect with either of us, check out the links in the show notes below and connect with Abby if you are in the Pacific Northwest or in the Oregon area. And connect with me if you are interested to use cannabis more mindfully uh, for your emotional and spiritual well-being and to learn to deepen your meditation practice as well so you can live with more confidence, consciousness, and connection with yourself and those around you. Thank you so much for listening, and I will catch you next week.